0: All right. <clears throat> Good, morning. Good, morning. Good morning. If you've got a Bible, grab it, go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 is where we'll be. Um, I'm Dustin Willis. I have the honor of serving as one of the elders here at City church, and I get the privilege of teaching God's word to you this morning. Uh, I want to say this really quickly. before we get going, I, I want to say thank you. Uh, I, I work in the marketing world, but I work in faith-based nonprofit. Uh, called Haggai International. We're a global ministry uh, where we are seeking to end gospel poverty around the world. Uh, We have poverty all over the world, uh, whether it's food uh, needs uh, from hunger or water being clean. There's all types of poverty, people who don't have homes. But uh, we do believe that the greatest poverty there is, is people that do not have the gospel. And so what we do is we equip leaders all over the world who are indigenous leaders, international leaders. They don't need a visa, they don't need a passport. These leaders uh, already live in the places. Uh, they know the language, they know the culture. And so what we do is we come alongside and equip them, helping them to multiply their efforts to make disciples and to end gospel poverty in their nations. And I say thank you because City Church is was the actual first official uh, church partner that Haggai International had when we launched our church partnership uh, a little over a year ago. And so I want to tell you thank you. But better than me telling you thank you, uh, we just had an equipping session with uh, 31 men from 22 different nations all around the world. I got to go and be a part of it and see it and experience it. And so rather than me telling you thank you, I would rather them do that. So y'all check this video out. Looking up. And we
1: must and we attempt, attempt something so great something for you, so great for you. God. that is doomed to fail unless you are in it. Father, we know you are know in these plans. And these men, we, we lift up today and all the days ahead. All the days ahead. This experience has been, has been transformed. Been transformed. God, has given, me great God has given me great clarity. Glory to Jesus. I'm empowered. I'm empowered to, to go back to my nation. I look forward. To I look the forward to join the mission of I God. God. I am grateful. I, I, I am inspired. I am, I am Thank you. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank God. you. Thank, God. thank God. you so much. God bless you. Uh,
0: so, so thank you. And when, I, when you see those men there, you're, you're investing in them. You don't even know that, but when you give here, you give through this church to invest in men like that, and 31 different uh, men from 22 different nations. The last gentleman that was on there uh, is in Pakistan, and he is in a very difficult part of that where persecution is very real every day, and you're a part of him. I mean, did you see the energy he had and the joy? Uh, Totally different, and he is begging, begging, he and I communicate really about it. He communicates every day. I communicate <laughs> about every other day. Uh, but he is like, you, brother, you are coming to Pakistan. I promise I will keep you safe. And I'm going, <laughs> uh, man, but like hit, hit <laughs> uh, the joy of the Lord will be my strength. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. But man, I'm telling you, it's amazing. One, one gentleman there uh, that that you saw in the video, I uh, can't even say which one he is because of where he is. But the place that he is, the gospel is not. And um, just in the last uh, eight years, um, he has been a part of planting eight thousand churches among uh, completely unreached peoples. And uh, you're a part of equipping him. And God has now given him a vision uh, to do uh, triple that amount in the next ten. And so, uh, thank you. I just want to tell you, thank you. Um, it's uh, it's awesome, and uh, to have partnerships in that way that we as a church can reach the nations and go to nations where I promise you, I promise you, you're like oh we can do it, we can fly over. You cannot get a visa to many of the nations uh, that you saw represented there, and so, uh, but yet you are there in an incredible way. So thank you for your generosity and the way that you serve through giving here uh, week in and week out. Uh, we're concluding our summer series, and uh, next week we'll celebrate five years as a church, and, uh, and then we'll launch into a new series uh, after that. But I, I, as we conclude this and as we land this plane on the book of Proverbs, I want to just review, if that's okay with you, a few ideas when it comes to studying the book of Proverbs before we get into Proverbs chapter 2. And again, we'll look if, at verses 1 through 5. So if you haven't gotten there yet, hopefully you can get there in the next couple of minutes. I was looking at a few articles and commentaries uh, written by the late uh, but really amazing Tim Keller concerning Proverbs. And, and I want to bring a few of those to the surface, if that's okay, as we jump in. Um, as I was reading this article, one of the things he talked about, he said, is while while we call the book of Proverbs a book, it really is one chapter. It's one chapter in a larger book that is what? The Bible, the scriptures. And as we know, that story is this meta-narrative. It's this story that humanity staying God's good creation, right? Through sin. And humanity became in need of rescue. And that salvation was accomplished not by like our good works or by our behavior modifications or anything like that, but it was accomplished 100% through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So therefore, like every other part of the Bible, Proverbs will give, hear this, Proverbs will give up its fullest and richest meaning only when we study it in light of the person and work of Jesus. Think about it. You, you look at the book of Proverbs, it's this book of what? Wisdom. Book of wisdom, this idea of how we seek and find wisdom. But if you think about Jesus, Jesus astonished his listeners with what? With his wisdom. If, you're taking, if your person takes notes, you can put this down, go look at it later. You'll see that in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 40 and verse 47. You'll see it in Mark chapter 2, verse 2. And if you think about it, Jesus consistently astonished his listeners with his wisdom over and over again. Jesus even claimed to be, who's the writer that we see in the book of Proverbs? Solomon. Jesus even claimed to be the new and better Solomon. You can go look that up. Look at that later. Luke chapter 11, verse 31. The personified wisdom that created the world, you see that also in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 2 through 31, is finally revealed in who? In Jesus. The word of God with whom God created the world. You see that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And then Paul, as he's writing these epistles, Paul even calls Jesus the wisdom of God. Again, you can go look at these later. We don't have time to walk through them today. They told me I had like 35 minutes. I'm seeing if that's possible. First Corinthians, I do this like three times a year, so just buckle up. First Corinthians 1, verses 24 and verse 30. Go look at it later. The one whom all God's wisdom is hidden, we see that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. So, so let me say this one more time. Proverbs will give up its fullest and richest meaning only when we study it in light of the person and work of Jesus. So as we discussed even in week one when Billy opened up the series, the big idea for Proverbs is found in chapter one, verse seven. This will be on the screen for you, or you can flip back one page and look at it in your Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And as we learned in week one, here's how Hebrew poetry works. The first line makes a statement, like a big idea. And then the second line of the poem then clarifies that statement. That's super helpful to know when you're reading and digging into the book or the, if you will, chapter of Proverbs. Here it is, right, in that verse alone. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord, that's the first statement. Now, what in the world does that mean, right? Well, look at the second statement. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Here's the second statement underlined for you. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That clarifies what is being said in the first part of the verse. You didn't know you were coming in and doing a little bit of poetry. We'll look at haikus next week. Um, Fear of the Lord. Put this on the screen. Fear of the Lord starts with someone humble enough to receive instruction from God. That's basically what it's saying. Fear of the Lord, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what that idea means, starts with someone humble enough to receive instruction from God. So conclusively, Being humble enough to receive instruction from God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. With that being said, a living, vital relationship with God, with Jesus, is wisdom's absolute prerequisite. A living, vital relationship with God, with Jesus, is wisdom's absolute prerequisite. And this idea of fear, I mentioned that, right? The fear of God, that's shows up throughout. It's kind of this thread that runs through the fabric of Proverbs. The fear, as you have observed throughout this series, is not this like cringing terror, like scared to death, but it's an attitude of awe and wonder before a faithful, grace-filled God. The New Testament shows us that the kind of relationship with the Lord that Proverbs calls for can be fully realized only through faith in the gospel of Jesus. So if it's about this intimate relationship with God himself, intimate relationship with Jesus, how in the world do we intentionally pursue it? Let me just say this, you will never just drift towards godliness. Like it won't be like, man, I don't, I don't, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just kind of just hanging out and I'm just drifting towards being godly all the time. That, that is not my story. That is not the story of anybody else that I've walked around. You don't just drift towards godliness. It must be, hear me, it must be an all-out intentional pursuit. So with that being said, how do we pursue it? Let me read the whole passage that we are going to be looking at today. So if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to dig for a little bit. My son... If you received my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God." So here's what we're going to do. We're ultimately going to pull out five ideas out of these five verses on how we intentionally pursue Jesus. So if you're one of those no taking folks, you like to do that, five ideas this morning coming from Proverbs chapter 2. But I want you to picture something for a minute. I really want you to put yourself in this circumstance. Picture a father who loves his son sitting down with his son telling him something that is vitally important to all of life. It's, it's that lean in moment. Like I'll never forget before I went to college and my dad sat down with me and he said, son, I got something really important to tell you. And we sat down and y'all know those moments where, that you have where somebody leans in and said, I want you to, and maybe their voice gets a little bit lower and a little softer and the, they look at you in the eyes. And I'll never forget my dad leaned in, he looked at me, he said, son, if you study like you did in high school, you will be back here in two weeks. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad was a brilliant man because he knew I was competitive. And so I was like, I will prove that man wrong. But it was one of those lean-in moments. <laughs> this, in this passage, this is a father leaning into his son, right? Right? The father figure in this passage says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. The author of Solomon is talking about a father's words found in the book of Proverbs, but he's also in all of this talking about God's word, the Hebrew scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament. Hear this, the, the word here for commands is mitzvah. We've probably heard that for, right? Bar mitzvah. Mitzvah, Essentially, means the laws of God, the laws of God that He gave to His people of Israel. You can see this in G- uh, Genesis chapter twenty-six, verse five; Exodus chapter twenty-six, uh, verse twenty-eight. He he says, "These are my commands. This is my word. Lean in, listen." And how do we interpret Scripture with Scripture? That's why you go and you see this in Genesis twenty-six and Exodus twenty-six. So it's like Solomon, this father figure, leaning in, saying to his son, "My son." if you receive my words. Or it's this simple idea of, my son, if you want wisdom, believe in God's word. So if you're taking notes, here's number one. Real simple. I got really creative. I'm in marketing, so I I get super creative at times. Number one, receive God's word. Number one, receive God's word. When you look at God's word, God's word offers us a firm foundation for our lives, a foundation that won't let us down. Now, I know what you're thinking this morning. Man, I showed up to church this morning, and this guy's basically just saying, you should have a quiet time. You're right. (laughs) I am. I'll never forget, I was at this conference one time, and I I was super excited, and there were like 3,000 other people there, and we're getting ready to learn how to be a part of church plants all over the world and do incredible things, and they're bringing in this guy who's planted like more churches than the church in Antioch, not really, but close. And they're bringing him in. I'm thinking, man, he's going to give us like the secret, the keys to the kingdom. And he gets up there and he grabs his Bible. And I'm going, man, he's about to just unleash on us. And all 3,000 of us are going out and it's going to be a movement and people are going to talk about it and they're going to write books about it. This is incredible. And he looks up and he goes, I don't think a lot of you read your Bibles. He said, I think a lot of you do. If This is the scriptures. A lot of you just do this but very few of you do this. And I was like, really? They paid you to fly 13 hours to tell us that? And then he kept on talking and kept on talking, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and starts working on my heart, I'm like, man, that is what I do. No wonder my soul is dry. No wonder I'm tired. There's nothing... I'm not receiving God's word for me. I'm just a professional. God's word offers a firm foundation for our lives. It is a foundation that will not let you down. Because here's the thing. If we choose anything else, we're choosing something that might say one thing one day and something different the next. Politics, anyone? Right? Oh, is that... Too soon? All right. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean, though? Like, we get advice, we get quote-unquote wisdom from the world all the time. All different kind of things, but it just changes with time, right? Like, I remember that when people were telling me, man, and I I mean, it kind of hurt my feelings, but it's fine. Man, you need to start drinking diet drinks. Diet drinks are good for you, much better for you. I was like, all right, I should probably drink diet drinks. The next thing I know, it's like, diet drinks cause cancer. Shoot, what do I do? Then it's like, you need to be eating more eggs. Then it was like, eggs aren't good for you. don't eat eggs? All right. Uh, drink coffee. No, don't drink coffee. It'll stunt your growth. I'm like, man. Uh, like, it not stunted my growth this Like, what in the world? Like, then it's like, drink more milk. Then it's like, don't drink milk. Drink soy milk. No, 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 no. Don't drink soy milk. It's not as good for you. Drink almond milk. Like, I don't even know what to do. Then they're like, drink oat milk. And I'm like, all right, I'll try the oat milk. And then it's like, don't drink milk. And I'm like, all right, we won't drink milk. Get a vaccine. Don't get a vaccine. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. All right. Everybody good? All right. Uh, <laughs> Or it's like, you know, if I hadn't offended anyone yet, it's like, you have to homeschool your kids. Oh, nobody laughed on that one. All right. uh, (laughs) Then it's like, then it's like, no, 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 no. We found out. We did some studies. Homeschool is not good. Don't homeschool them. Send them to the public school. All right. Send them to the public school. No, no, no. Don't do that. There's this new hybrid thing. You can like go and not go. Do that. (laughs) Then it's like, don't go to school. And it's like, great. Let's just not go to school. (laughs) My point is, is like the world just consistently flip-flops and changes, and it's not very foundational. I think it's kind of like shifting sands. I've read that somewhere. But God's word offers us a firm foundation. But hear me in this, receiving God's word? The wisdom from this book can never benefit us if we don't receive it. Because here's what we know. The word of the Lord endures forever. This book is smart. It's wise. It's long-lasting. It's non-changing. I love how the apostle Paul said it to a bunch of young churches. And we're a young church, right? About to turn five. I mean, think about five-year-olds, how mature they are. That's us. So if you're wondering, man, they don't have everything figured out. You're right. (laughs) We're five. (laughs) But I love what Paul says to a bunch of young churches. He says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord, what? Endures forever. Listen, life, culture, relationships, success, politics, pressures, situations, circumstances, what are they going to do? Change what? Constantly, all the time. But the Word of God doesn't. It's solid, it's foundational. This book is timeless, and it's timely. Like you, just just so you know this, you don't ever have to make the Word of God relevant. You don't, because it always is. Fifty years from now, it will be. Things are happening in culture right now, and comes to sexuality and all different things. The Word of God is still relevant. It is non-changing, and by the way, you can't change it. Neither can I. Whatever the circumstance of your life is, this book will guide, it will direct, it will bring truth, it will bring wisdom to whatever comes your way, it just does. Look back at Proverbs, look at verse uh, chapter 2, and let me look, let's look at verses 1 and 2, and then I'm, we'll just jump to verse 4 for a second. I promise probably come back to verse 3, we're not skipping it, we don't do that here. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. John to verse four. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. All right, creative point number two. Treasure God's word. Treasure God's word. I shared this story not too long ago uh, when I talked here, but I wanna share it again because it, it just, because <laughs> I'm looking out there and I'm like, I don't know a lot of you, so you didn't hear it anyways. Um, it's good, we're constantly seeing new people. But picture this. I was 21 years old. I had just finished the most incredible experience at that point in my life. I'd spent a good portion of my summer five weeks in a small village in the nation of Cambodia. And I'm flying back home, and I'm like, man, this is incredible. We were were among unreached people groups. We saw two people in an unreached people group come to Christ. Think about that. Like, that's unbelievable. And I'm on this incredible spiritual high. I'm on my flight home from Cambodia. We have a layover in Tokyo. And then 14 hours from Tokyo, I think was the flight to something like that to Los Angeles. And sitting next to me is a 25 year old. Uh, his name was Chiyugo. Really awesome guy. He was a scholar. And uh, I had my Bible sitting there and he says, that's your holy book. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my holy book. I started talking to Chad back and he said, man, do you base your whole life on that book? I'm like, Absolutely. Of course I do. And then Shugo looked at me and said, I bet you read it like 30 times. Because what he knew is if that's your holy book and you base your life off of it, it's a treasure. It's a treasure. And I don't say that to make you feel guilty like you haven't, the last 30 years of your life, you haven't chronologically done the chronological Bible study for 365 days. This isn't about guilt. There's grace for you, there's grace for me, but if we really say, I base my life on this, this is what my life is about, then it should be this amazing treasure. I mean, what this book went through to get to our hands today is a miracle in and of itself. We hold a treasure. So let me ask a question like that is real. Do you really base your life off of this? Like, really? Like, you don't just trust what you feel, because man, let me tell you, we are in a culture where it's, what do you feel? Do that. If I did what I feel, people would die. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And if you're like, does this guy preach every week? No, there's a reason. Um, <laughs> you can't trust your feelings. You can't make your next big decision based off of your last emotional experience. You don't lean on your own understanding. You don't base decisions off simple logic. You truly, do you truly live out your life based off of the Holy Spirit-inspired words you find in this miracle of a text called the Bible. Because hear me, if I want to grow, if you want to grow, if you want to be in awe of God, if you, if you want to intentionally train your heart, because we don't drift towards God this, if you intentionally want to train your heart towards God himself, the path for that is found in this book, his word. It's a treasure. I love how Spurgeon said it. He said, nobody ever outgrows the scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. There's always something to learn in here. There's always something to grow in this. I also love how St. Jerome said it. He said, the scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever touching the bottom. This book is a treasure But y'all have watched uh, like National Treasure, right? Treasures can be dangerous too. And you're like, what do you mean by that? This book is very dangerous. All over the world. And I don't think I really fully understood this principle of this being a treasure until this past year. This past year I had the opportunity to... um, I, can't, I literally can't say it out loud, to fly to an undisclosed location and meet with a man who I will call Simon. That's not his name. Uh, Simon is one of 2,000 believers in his whole nation. Simon came to faith. He was, he was uh, following a very different religion that's very radical in nature at times. And um, he came to faith because his father became a believer. And then he watched his father be shot and killed for his faith. And he said, if my father can die for his faith, then I can live for that same faith. And now he leads the underground church in his nation. And I was talking to him about the Bible. And I just want to give you a little bit of perspective. On this being a treasure. So, this isn't the whole video. The video clip I'm going to show you ends abruptly. Um, But I want you to see just a one minute clip of him talking about the Bible and his people in the Bible. You won't see him fully, you'll never see his face because it would be dangerous for anybody to know who he is and where he lives. So, y'all check this out.
1: I lead the underground church here, it is is my my calling and it it is a a calling that will ultimately cost me my life. I am convinced that I will ultimately be killed for the gospel. But when that day comes, I will look to the Father and say to him what my Savior said. Forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Yes, I am burdened, but I am blessed. The weight of the church sits on my shoulders. It is in my home where I hide all the Bibles for my friends. They are are concealed concealed under under the floor and in special compartments I have built into into the shelves behind other books. It is illegal to even have a Bible. Must less study it with other believers whom you share share in the freedom found in Jesus. Jesus. My brothers and sisters in Christ download Bible apps to their phones so they can read God's words in their own and then they immediately delete the app so that they are not found out.
0: So, I mean, just think about that for you and for me for a minute. They download the app, they open it, they read it, they study it, they delete it. It's a treasure. So they have to read it, take it in, receive it, and then, in turn, hide it in their heart. That scripture comes alive so much more to me when I think about their life. They have to literally hide it in their heart and delete it off their phone or hide it under the floor in their homes. This book is a treasure. It's a treasure. And what do we do with a treasure? First, you, you hunt it, you dig for it, you search it out. Then what do you do? You enjoy it. No matter what it costs you. And then what do we do? We hide it in our heart. It's a treasure. Look back at verse one and two. My son, if you received my words, remember the father's leaning in and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Number three, taking notes, number three, accept God's word. Accept God's word. I love what uh, Martin Luther uh, said about God's word. He said, He said this, he said, the Bible is his textbook that teaches him the commandment of God, the hymn book that teaches him to praise God, the confession book that shows him when his path is crooked, and the prayer book that helps him say, God, help me. This word is perfect. It's relevant. It's good. The word is clear. The word is eternal. The word is true. The word is available. As we seek this wisdom, we need to hear the word of God with our ears and accept it with our hearts and agree to it with our lives, right? It's alive and well, sharper than any double-edged sword. We need to open ourselves up and let God's words come in in ways that they would sink deep into who we are. In the Hebrew culture, the heart was the core of a person, their true identity. We need to let it sink into our hearts. Because after all, this book is the authority on you. Not only is it the authority on God, it's the authority on you. It's the authority on me. So, in, so what that means is we, we bend our lives to match the scriptures. We don't bend the scriptures to match our lives. A lot of people bend the scriptures to match their lives. That's how cults get started. We we read his word with a heart of acceptance, which means we study it with obedience. If you look at Psalm 119, verse 129, that's right, verse 129, says this, your statutes are wonderful. Therefore, what? I obey them. His word is good. It is the authority on who he is, who I am, and the reality that we live in. When you look at cultural things in life and our cultural moments that we live in, you go, what in the world? How am I supposed to accept this or not accept this? Am I supposed to reject, redeem, or receive this idea in culture? There's only one place to go, and there's one only one authority. It is not a news app. It is not your neighbor. It is the word of God. Proverbs 13, 13 says this: Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. Hebrew poetry would tell us, all right, look at what it says next. That's how we understand it. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Or if you look at the brother of Jesus, James, what does he say? Chapter 1, verses 21 through 25: Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. By the way, James really struggled to say how he felt, okay? If you're, as you're reading and trying to interpret scripture, he struggled, not at all. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and Im- immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Listen, reading the Bible with no acceptance or obedience is like looking into a mirror and then immediately forgetting what you look like. What's the purpose of looking into a mirror? To see yourself clearly and accurately. And I'm not saying it's easy. I love how Mark Twain said it. He said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. I'm not saying it's easy. But as you read this thing, interpretation of what it says is not application. Knowledge of how to apply is not obedience. Let's be a church, let's be a community, a people who lets God's word read us. It's a mirror. It shows us who we really are when we look into it. And then say yes to whatever then God calls us to be and what he calls us to do. And as we do that, we should consistently, as we want it to transform us and to cause us to live in obedience, we should, the whole time you read this thing, you should pray. Look back at the passage. Verses 1 through 3. My son, remember the father's leaning in, he's telling you, My son, receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Here's verse three, hear this. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So number four, pray for insight from God's word. Number four, pray for insight from God's word. Again, James, the brother of Jesus who doesn't mince his words at all, said it really well in the first chapter of James, verse 5. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Listen, reading this book is very different than reading a newspaper. It's very different. And some of you are like, what's a newspaper? Okay, app on your phone. As you read this, pray your way through it. Asking God, God, what are you showing me here about you? Just start there. If you, like, What are you showing me here about you? Let that be your first question as you pray to him. God, what are you showing me about you? God, what are you showing me about the reality of what's going on in the world based on this scripture? What's, what's, what's happening in this world? Maybe another question would be, God, where do I need to repent? Repent simply being turned from my sin, turned to you in faith, knowing that God has made you whole and new. God, where do I need to repent? And God, what do you want me to do with this? God, what do you want me to do? And then the last question I ask is, and who do you want me to do it with? Who do you want me to do it with? God's not designed us to live a lone, lone like Christian life. We are designed to build and live a life with one another. Small groups here is not just because we're like, man, we heard some other, group, other churches did this thing called small groups. Let's try that. We do it based on what we see in scripture, that there is this small knit community that walks through scripture with one another, that walks through life with one another and serves with one another. So in a couple of weeks when small groups come up, it's really important that we be a part of those things. Because you need to be able to pray through the scriptures with one another. Listen, anybody can study the Bible. Only those who have the Spirit of God can understand the Bible. So you got to pray to that Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the whole time. Help me understand this. Please, God. Because you're going to get in some passages you're going to be like, what in the world is going on? There's some crazy stuff in this book. And God can take all of that, the simple stuff, the complex stuff, and he can rise to the surface. Truth. Because it's truth. It's breathed by God, the Holy Spirit. But you've got to ask him to help you as you go. You've got to ask those questions to him and let him reveal it to you. Don't, don't ever just read the Bible and not be praying the whole time you do it. So pray first before you even open it. Pray during, pray after. The goal is godliness. Loving God and delighting in God through his word. Intentionally moving towards Jesus, who is what? According to the Bible, the author of Not just the author of our faith, but the perfecter of our faith. Think about that. He's the perfecter. He continues to shape and mold us. How does he do that? Through the scriptures and his Holy Spirit working. So we got to ask the Holy Spirit as we go through it. So pray as you go. Psalm 119 verse 18 says this. It says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. The, the goal is God. The, the goal is God. It's rules. So, so carve out time to let him work on your heart as, you sh- as he shows himself to you. As he shows you what's really going on in the world. As he shows you your soul through his enduring word. What, what What are the benefits of wisdom? What makes it worth doing all those things? What makes it worth signing up for? I want to get into the scriptures. I want you to imagine with me, one last time, the father's leaning in, he's looking. After all these simple things we've just gone through, these four different ideas, really simple things. Father leans in he says, Verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Then you'll understand what it means to be in awe. Then you'll have knowledge. So what do you get in all this? You get God. Number five, know the God Of the Word. That's what you get. You get to know the God of the Word. You receive God's Word. You treasure God's Word. You accept God's Word. You pray for insight from God's Word. And why do we do all these things? Because we get to know the God of the Word. That's the treasure. That's the treasure. That's why Simon's all about being willing to die for it. That's the treasure worth dying for. You get God. And the good news is this the Father, he's leaning in and he's saying, Because who is the Word? Jesus was the Word. So the Father's leaning in and he says, I sent my treasure, my Son. I sent my one and only Son so that you might be able to enjoy the treasure that is being in relationship with me. So church, let's lean back into his word as he leans into us and see what he might do in and through us and through his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that it's good, that it's timely, that it's timeless, and that it's enduring. God, there's so many things in our life that I know even for me right now, Lord, I base it off my last meeting or my last review or my last frustration. And Lord, I just want us to be a different kind of people who base our lives off of an ancient book that happens to be alive and well. Would you help us do that? We can't even do it on our own. We need you. Lord, and not for the goal of puffing up and getting a lot of knowledge, but For the goal of, we get you. We get to know you. And that in and of itself is transforming. So Lord, we thank you. We know that as we read your word, you will change us. You'll heal us. You'll display and show miracles that we didn't even know were there. In our own lives. So God, I pray that we'd allow your word to read us. So that we could... Enjoy the treasure that is you. Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.